from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And happy to be here with you guys this Monday evening. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, give me a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And before we kick off all of the crazy things that are going on, I want to um, take a moment to remember Jim Bohannon. It was on the 14th, which was this Saturday, that Jim Bohannon did his final broadcast, and I just want to give kudos uh, to the team that uh, produced that broadcast, which is still with me today, and, of course, uh, to the legend himself, Jim Bohannon. Now, we move forward. Joe Biden is scheduled to be in Israel tomorrow. Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, uh, made that announcement just about an hour and a half ago. Listen to this. On Wednesday, President Biden will visit Israel. He's coming here at a critical moment for Israel, for the region, and for the world. And he's coming here to do the following. First, the president will reaffirm the United States' solidarity with Israel and our ironclad commitment to its security. President Biden will again make clear, as he's done unequivocally since Hamas's slaughter of more than 1,400 people, including at least 30 Americans, that Israel has the right and indeed the duty to defend its people from Hamas and other terrorists and to prevent future attacks. The President will hear from Israel what it needs to defend its people as we continue to work with Congress to meet those needs. So maybe that explains why there's two aircraft carriers now on uh, one that's already uh, uh, off the coast of Israel and one on its way because the president's going to be there. Now, listen, I understand the symbolism behind sending an aircraft carrier. It seems like, oh, wow, the Americans mean business. But does it really? Does it really? Uh, Because Biden hasn't said anything. He hasn't made any comments. Okay, now he's going to show up in Israel. Granted, this is his chance to say something, and that's probably uh, better, better media coverage for him than doing it from the Oval Office. Or maybe not. But I think the American people want to know where Joe Biden stands. He said a few things, uh, even on 60 Minutes, and we have some audio of that stuff. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, Biden seems to be telling one story. I think some of the rest of his administration is telling another story. Uh, I'm sure Biden's going to go there and say things like, look, we stand with Israel. I got hairy legs. Come on, man. But the reality is he he really hasn't done a, a whole ton of anything. And in my opinion, He's created a lot of this problem. Now, listen, I'm not saying Biden's with Hamas. No, I'm not that crazy. But I will say that there's a ton of reports that Biden didn't do anything to slow down Hamas. There's reports of uh, money that was sent to organizations that were affiliated with Hamas in the form of grants and whatnot. So, yes, if you do nothing when the bad guys are trying to get money and trying to grow and trying to amass power, you turn a blind eye or if you even send a couple of bucks their way, then yes, you're doing something. If you know that Iran is funding these bad guys and you allow Iran to make, I don't know, what was it, $50 billion that they made off of oil sales 
and you don't do anything to stop that, then yeah, I guess you're complicit. So whether it's his ignorance, his complicity, his failure, to me, they're all the same. Joe Biden should be impeached for this. He should be impeached for his role in the border. He should be in there's a number of things, not the least of which is being addressed by James Comer and the rest of the, the folks in Congress that are holding these hearings and good for them for doing that. But uh, I don't think the question is whether Biden's doing a good job or whether he should be impeached. The answer is no, he's doing a horrible job. And yes, he should be impeached. Point blank, right? It's pretty simple. Uh, the, the fact that he's now got two, let's say 2,000 troops for potential deployment to the Middle East in support of Israel. I don't think Israel needs support right now. Um, again, I'm not a, a former general or anything, but we'll have one a little bit later. The reality to me is that Joe Biden is playing a game. He's doing what he thinks he needs to do, but he's doing what he feels like doing on the other side. And that's not cool. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the speaker's race. Uh, McCarthy now says uh, Jim Jordan uh, likely has enough votes to win the speakership. Meanwhile, anti-Semitism across the globe continues. Um, Christopher Ray made a dire warning. I think we might have audio of that warning. And the dire warning was that we can expect Hamas-style attacks on U.S. soil. <clears throat> now, what's interesting here is that they're saying that these uh, Hamas sleeper cells are amongst us. Most people with half a brain can realize that they either came on a plane and are overstaying their visas or they came stealthily through the border. Because again, 150 nations are sending people to this border. It's not just folks from Guatemala and El Salvador or Mexico, like many people think. It's actually not even Mexicans at all. They're just going by way of Mexico. But listen to this dire warning from FBI Director Ray. In this heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. So I'd encourage you to stay vigilant because as the first line of defense protecting our communities, you're often the first to see the signs that someone may be mobilizing to violence. I'd also ask you to continue sharing any intelligence or observations you may have. And on our end, we're committed to doing the same so that together we can safeguard our communities. So Christopher Ray wants to uh, safeguard our communities. I really wish that I could trust this guy as far as I could throw him. The problem is so many things are, are questionable, right? It makes you think like, you know, how real are these attacks? And I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm not saying they're crisis actors or any of that stuff. I'm not doing that. But what I am saying is there's always a threat against the United States. And of course, if there's a conflict abroad, we should probably expect something here. So it makes sense that he makes this statement and he makes this warning. But to me, it sounds like he's from a position of of loss, a, a deficit position, a position of, of fear. And I, I just don't feel safe and secure with him at the helm, <laughs> to be frank with you. You know, somebody's telling me, listen, there's people here. We got to be whatever. Come on, bro. We've got to do better. We've got to do better. I'm going to have to come up with a name for Christopher Ray. I don't have one just yet, but um, we'll come up with one. But lamentably, <clears throat> The um, the the conflict continues in Israel, right? 
the conflict with uh, with Hamas. Hamas is still holding 199 hostages. And I'm just wondering, where's the focus on getting these hostages? Now, maybe Biden is uh, running, you know, the uh, secret plan to get them back from the Situation Room. But to me, it seems like he's going to be on the ground in Israel tomorrow. So he's going to be traveling for a little bit. So I don't see if there's any secret plan going on. Now, of course, his talking heads were on television this weekend, and we'll get into that uh, momentarily uh, with uh, the former uh, U.S. special envoy for spe- uh, for anti-Semitism, Ellie Kohanim, and she's going to join us. We're going to dig into that a little bit on whether something's being done to get the hostages or not. And plus, I want to speak with you guys throughout the evening, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. The president will continue to coordinate closely with our Israeli partners to the secure the release of hostages taken by Hamas, including men, women, small children, Holocaust survivors, and American citizens, as an indispensable humanitarian effort. All right, that's Secretary Anthony Blinken talking about hostages. And when it comes to hostages, I think it's... it's um, it's incredibly important right now that we get our people out all weekend long. And again, I'm an, I'll call myself an innocent bystander here, right? I'm looking at articles, videos, all sorts of stuff that comes through my social media feeds of the Mexicans, other nations, bringing hundreds of their citizens out on airlifts, sending in the Air Force to, to get their citizens out of the country. My country, our country, We send a couple of aircraft carriers. We make a bunch of statements. But we haven't done anything to get these people out. And we've had people reporting live from the ground in in, in Jerusalem saying, you know what? There's nothing going on here. People are getting the runaround to get out of town. Sound familiar? Sounds like Afghanistan to me. Afghanistan under Biden. People were chasing that plane. The locals and other people that were supposed to be on that plane absolutely horrific to think that we're this sloppy but we are with all due respect right really really is it's a terrible thing so 199 hostages are being held by Hamas everybody's debating on whether or not the Israelis should have turned off the water and cut access to supplies and whatnot and I'm thinking you know In my free time, I like to watch a little uh, Netflix, maybe some of the other shows that I watch on there. And one of the shows that I like to watch is a show called SWAT. It's a show I grew up watching. It's a reboot now. And it's incredibly fantastic. It's incredibly um, Hollywood. it's, It's quite predictable. The good guy always wins, et cetera, et cetera. But it's an interesting show. And when you when you watch the show, you'll see that they turn off the power. They turn off the water just to go in and catch a couple of bad guys with guns and drugs. 
or a, a small terror cell with six or eight guys. This is a full-on war where thousands of people have died. And somehow we're questioning whether turning off the power is the right thing to do. As if there were not civilians and others involved in every single war known to humanity ever. I just find it fascinating. Fascinating to me how every time I hear a news report, it's uh, they're, they're coming after the civilians and the civilians and the civilians. And listen, I'm not saying that civilians don't matter. I'm just saying they've always been there. Why is it all of a sudden now that there's a focus? You've got Jake Tapper having an interview with Jake Sullivan, who's a national security advisor, spokesperson, whatnot. And they have to get to this agreement in their conversation that civilians are civilians because Gaza needs water. You have to have water during war. Now, I'm not saying people should be deprived of water. I'm just saying in situations like this, Gaza, uh, Hamas, is in Gaza, and they've taken nearly 200 people hostage. The reason they have hostages is because they kidnap people. Right? These people didn't volunteer. They didn't hijack a bus. They went into people's homes and rounded them up, grabbed them off the street. In addition to killing a 1,000 people, plus. This can't be understated. So the fact that now the Israelis are trying to get their people back trying to put an end to this conflict and really neutralize the threat. And the big deal here is they need water. So when we went into Germany, there were no, there were no uh, civilians. When we went to Vietnam, there were no civilians. When we went to Iraq, there were no civilians. I mean, it, it, I didn't hear anybody saying, oh my gosh, there's so many civilians and blah, blah, blah. This stuff is, is as old as the day is long. When there's war, they sound alarms, people go to bomb shelters, people hide out, they call for evacuations, they drop leaflets, they take over the radio, they tell you to get out, right? And I say radio because radios operate on battery. When you don't have power, that's what you do. You turn on a radio. And if you don't have one, shame on you, get one. Anyway, I want you to hear Jake Tapper in a conversation he had with Jake Sullivan on CNN just yesterday where the, the focus here is on civilians in Gaza and they need water. And I'm not saying they don't, but I am saying, where's this coming from? Since when do we analyze war from the perspective of, well, you know, these people need water there. They got to get to work. Got to keep the buses running, you know, keep the subway going or whatever train system you might have, any rail system. I mean, where where do we... They've been told to, listen, I realize getting rid of a million people, getting them to evacuate is not going to happen. I also realize the Israelis have been bombing for several days, targeted strikes, trying to go after Hamas. They're not trying to go after civilians. We know that Hamas likes to surround themselves with uh, women, children, and other civilians in hospitals and schools and mosques to protect themselves like the cowards that they are. But the conversation here, it's about water. Listen to this. Israel is not Russia. Gaza is not Ukraine. It's a different situation. But cutting off supplies, cutting off heat, cutting off water to civilians, what's the difference? Well, first, thank you for saying that Israel is not Russia because Israel is not Russia. But Second, civilians are civilians, before, Jake. We are in civilians are civilians. Contact. Yes, absolutely. So, I just want to jump in here. 
This is this is phenomenal, right? The the depth of this conversation. I I just want to thank you for pointing out that Israel is not Russia. Wow. This guy is incredibly profound. These are the people that are in charge of what's going on with our policies. Wow. Not only does it does it uh, offend me and does it irk me, but I'm I'm embarrassed by these responses. The whole world is watching our national security advisor, spokesperson Jake uh, Sullivan, give this um, geographic lesson on. Yes, you're right. Israel is not Russia. Thank you. He's matching the energy of Mr. Tapper, who I think is a phony and a fraud. That's why I, fake Tapper, fake Tapper, and Jake Sullivan. I mean, it really, just just remarkably uh, inept. Go right ahead. They are, and they deserve, as I said before, access to water and medicine and food. And we are working actively to ensure that that happens. And I can tell you this morning, Jake, that I have been in touch with my Israeli counterparts just within the last hour uh, who report to me that they have, in fact, turned the water pipe back on in southern Gaza. That has been the subject of discussion over the course of the past few days. The United States is going to continue working with Israel, with the U.N., with Egypt, with Jordan, and with a lot of the groups on the ground to make sure that innocent Palestinians get access to those basic necessities and are protected from bombardment because they deserve that right, the right to those necessities and the right to safety and security every bit as much as Ukrainian civilians do or civilians anywhere do. I would love it if the United States National Security Advisor spokesperson Jake Sullivan would put that level of energy and attention into rescuing Americans that are being held by Hamas terrorists, sir. Unbelievable. I, I, I'm just, I don't know, maybe I read the, the room the wrong way here, but the, the idea that we're having a conversation over water in the midst of a war, right? Hamas is a, a, and let me see how I put this nicely, right? Uh, best case scenario, Hamas is a political party that has picked up guns and started raping people, kidnapping them, and praying for the annihilation of Israel. In worst case scenario, Hamas are terrorists that did the same exact thing. And our, our, our focus here is on water. Our focus here is on ensuring that, that innocent Palestinians, what about the innocent Americans? What about the nearly 200 people being held captive? What about these little Israeli kids that, that I keep seeing on social media? Babies, year old, two years old, being held hostage. Or the casualties. I don't know. Maybe I'm off my rocker today, but I think this is ridiculous. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there Hi, are I'm two I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. The octane action in the dust, a new film puts... Our staff of correspondents provide a fast-paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. I had somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? That's but right. But you're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, amigos, welcome back. And one of the presidential candidates, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, who has not accepted an invitation on this program as of yet, uh, but has an open invitation to do so. was on, um, let's see, he was at an event on Saturday and he said, and he took fire for this, we cannot accept people from Gaza into this country. Boy, oh boy, what did he say that for? Man, did he get in a world of hurt, but I want you to hear what he had to say. Go right ahead. Also, I will say, and I don't know what Biden's going to do, but we cannot accept people from Gaza into this country as refugees. I am not going to do that. Uh, If you look at how they behave, not all of them are Hamas, but they are all anti-Semitic. None of them believe in Israel's right to exist. None of the Arab states are willing to take, you know, any of them. The Arab states should be taking them if you have refugees. You don't fly people and import them into the United States of America. So we're going to be very strong on that. And I think about our country, you see these demonstrations supporting Hamas in the United States of America. How did we get to the point where people are out there doing that? You get reports of babies being murdered, all this other stuff, and your first instinct is to go out and praise the terrorists who perpetrated that. You have students at Harvard signing letters saying, praising uh, Hamas for doing it. We've got some serious problems in this country. We've allowed a lot of these problems to fester. uh, But my view is very simple. If you don't like this country, if you hate America, you should not come to this country. We've got to start being smart about this. So that's uh, Ron DeSantis. And uh, kudos to him. I think he's making a a fair case. Uh, Listen, I would say you can't let anybody in from anywhere. Right now, you've got to shut the border down. We're at max capacity. We've gone over capacity six, seven times already. We, we typically allow a million people a year as a courtesy out of the goodness of our hearts, whatever it is, right? Trying to help people. I get it. Listen, you need immigration to some degree, right? Some of the best doctors aren't American. Some of the best engineers aren't American. Great. You bring them in where, there, where there's a need, where it's meritorious. But... Uh, you also have to have compassion. So if you know somebody's losing their shirt somewhere, then great, fantastic. But ultimately, you, you can't put the needs of others before you. You can't put your kids out to give you know your kid's bedroom to somebody who's homeless, right? You just can't do that. I mean, forgive me for saying that, but I think that's a reality of life. However, DeSantis uh, makes this comment and he gets into a lot of trouble. And uh, something that he said in there was 100% right. 
He said, you got all these videos, you hear about babies being beheaded, you hear about people at these protests celebrating Hamas. And there was a clip, I think I might have played it or at least mentioned it on Friday, of, uh, of an activist in Philadelphia. And this guy grabs a megaphone, a microphone, and he's there at one of these uh, pro-Hamas rallies. And he makes no bones about how he feels. He lets everybody know Hamas did a job well done. Now, this happened about eight days ago when this originally started or close to it. But he says he applauds them. He's proud of Hamas for what they did. We're talking about slaughter. And again, he's, um, I, I believe, a Black Lives Matter activist. And they quickly put out the Black Lives Matter fist, which was similar to the fist back in the back in the days uh, that the Black Panthers and other radical uh, Marxist groups used. And this fist had a parachute attached to it, meaning they supported the the para. I don't know what those are called. Hang gliders uh, that they used to fly over the, the fence to get into this music festival to start slaughtering all these kids. I mean, absolute crazy stuff. But I want you to listen to this one activist in Philly as he tells us how he really feels. To Hamas for a job well done. When they woke up in the morning and they found, and they found the field hands in the house with a knife ready to cut their throat. I was late to the news, but when I heard it, I smiled. I don't want to hear that 250, 250 innocent Israelis are dead. Again, I swear, I salute Hamas. A job well done. So now people are going to say, well, Rich Valdez, you are cherry picking your audio. You know, what about all the atrocities that the Israelis have committed against the Palestinians? What about it? I want to talk about this particular atrocity. <laughs> I want to talk about this particular clown, this particular pendejo in Philadelphia, because this is, to me, so emblematic of the problem. What does this man, listen, I have no dog in this fight. I want to see everybody live and do well. I believe that Israel is an ally of the United States. I think that um, they, they have a right to exist. And they should not be targeted for extinction and genocide, right? Because that's literally what Hamas has put in their charter. We had a discussion with uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser, and uh, he explained that very clearly, that in the Hamas charter, the formation of their organization as a political party or as a terrorist organization or whatever, they call for the end of Israel, wipe them off the map. So now we have Americans that are rallying, and again, free speech all day long. You say something, I'll say something. Whoever, whoever's got the better something will, will hopefully reach the most ears. But let's just look at the things that he said. I want to applaud Hamas for a job well done. When they woke up, they had people with a knife to their throat ready to slit their effing throats. Play the audio one more time. To Hamas for a job well done. When they woke up in the morning and they found and they found the field hands in the house with a knife ready to cut their throats. I was late to the news, but when I heard it, I smiled. I don't want to hear that 250, 
Well, there you go. There's not much I can add to that. This guy is a lunatic. And there's lunatics like him that are actually killing children, raping children, kidnapping the elderly, kidnapping the innocent in the name of whatever holy war they're launching just because they hate the fact that Israel exists. Now, there's plenty of people out there that will tell you, no, 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 this is about the Israeli occupation. This is about the settlers. This is about the unfair treatment and the constant encroaching of their territory. I'm not saying that any of those things aren't true. I am saying if you get into a car accident with me, if we get into a real estate turf war, if we get into a fist fight, you don't have the right to come and kill my children. That's not how it works. That's not war. Lamentably. That's why there's rules for war. Honor among thieves, if you will. You don't get to do that. This is barbaric, crazy, sick stuff. Very, very sick stuff that's going on here. And then we're going to hold the hostages and use them as human shields from, from a hospital, from a mosque. Just imagine if the Americans did something like that. Just imagine if the Israelis did something like that. Somehow, somewhere, somebody would probably blame Trump and everybody else, right? They'd say, oh, this is the Repu extremist MAGA Republicans. These people are messed up. And there's people out there that have sympathy saying, no, because they've been bullied and they don't know what else to do. I'm not going to condone the killing of children. But, I mean, at some point, these people are going to blow up. So, again, while you can say that you're not going to condone it, you're condoning it. It's kind of like when people say, you know, look, I, I don't care what you do in your private time as long as it doesn't affect me. Well, that's the whole thing. What they do in their private time might affect you. And when it does, then do you care then? Are you going to wait until it's at your front door? Are you going to wait till there's a drag queen outside your, your kid's classroom door to then say, oh, man, oh, yeah, I care about what you do now. I don't want this man with a full beard wearing a dress and fishnet stockings reading to my kindergarten kid. You can't wait till they're at your front door. You got to do something about it. You got to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. We're going to continue this discussion, plus your calls, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We're continuing our conversation with you guys. And we're going to go to the phones. We're going to go to Kevin. And he's in Gravoise Mills, Missouri. What's the radio station there? KRMS. Kevin, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. 
I don't understand how people are even talking about uh, collateral damage with the, you know, turning off the water, the lights, and all this and that after the atrocities that they committed against Israel. I just don't understand it, bro. I don't get it either. I honestly don't. It's it's almost like a foreign concept. That's how you know it's propaganda, it's BS, it's fake, it's phony, and it's fraud. These people, uh, every war ever operates this way, right? I mean, just imagine we turn, we use that same philosophy and go, I don't understand how these criminals in New York City are, you know, they're they're mugging old ladies. What if in the middle of their mugging, they, they hurt somebody else when they do a drive-by shooting in Chicago? Oh my gosh, the collateral damage. Nobody seems to give a damn about any of those things, but all of a sudden now, and again, I'm not saying their lives are worth any less. I'm saying your argument, not yours, sir, but the argument that the left is making, the left within the media, Jake Tapper, fake Tapper in particular, he's full of it, totally full of it, Kevin. Believe it. I couldn't believe it. It's like, where in the flip is this guy coming from, you know? And he's not alone. He's got a bunch of friends on the left that are all the New York Times and others that are echoing the same thing. And lamentably, they know that people, especially American people, um, are very, very kind, good people. Nobody, I've never met anybody that wants to squash anybody like a bug. Most people want peace. Most people want to be left alone, mind their business, raise their families, make enough money to go on two vacations a year and buy a home. That's what they want. They don't want this. So, of course, if you tell me, you know, they're turning off their power and they're, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. You know, I have a plumber come by and I get bent out of shape, right? I just had my bathroom uh, remodeled a little bit and I thought it was going to take two days. It ended up taking six. I was flipping out, flipping out, pulling out the hair I don't even have because I, I didn't have my, the access to the toilet or the shower uh, as quickly as I wanted to have it. And, you know, I was bent out of shape. So, yeah, I, listen, I get it. I don't want old grandmas that are, you know, incapacitated, that can't move around, people that may be oxygen dependent, people that need help. But again, it, is it incumbent upon me? Right. If, if you're a terrorist and you're doing bad things, then don't do them. If you are the bad guys, then you have to at some point say, look, we're going to stop being bad guys for the sake of, of everybody here. And we're going to, you know, make a deal. But no, now, just a few hours ago, they said, look, we will start releasing hostages as long as you stop bombing. I think that's a great step in the right direction because Israel is bombing the crap out of these guys where they can find them. And that's why they hide with civilians so that they won't get the crap bombed out of them. But the whole thing is absolute crazy town, Kevin. I appreciate your call. Anything you wanted to add? The whole thing, if it is, Rich, is... The hostages, they're poker chips, you know. Of course. Biden just paid $6 million. No, billion. And uh, and that's going to be the new price tag, you know. So, Well, thankfully, he put a, a hold on that money leaving Qatar. But again, it's not like Qatar is uh, our best friend either. The, the, the whole thing is, is very stupid, ugly, and, and bad. I can't think of more simple adjectives I could use. This is a bad situation at, that Biden made worse. That's a fact. That's just a, a simple fact. His lack of leadership, the, the lack of American might being there has put the Israelis in harm's way and emboldened the Iranians 
and their proxy Hamas to go out there and commit these atrocities. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Coming right back to your calls. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, this is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue with your calls 833-482-5337-8334 Valdez. And let us go to Akron, Ohio, WNIR. Check in with Tom. Tom, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Uh, yes, uh, Rich. Uh, I was a Marine. I was stationed over there. Thanks for your service. Uh, uh, oh, you're welcome uh, very much, and thank you for appreciating that. But uh, we were the first unit that went into Beirut, and for 12 days we didn't have water because the Hezbollah had contaminated the water uh, systems, which is something that I think would probably happen over there in the Gaza Strip right now. If they turn the water back on, absolutely, why not? But as soon as the New Jersey, the we were we were placed with the unit that got blown up in the barracks there. We lost. I just want to, for the audience's sake, I, I just want to bring that attention to that. That's forty years ago. On um, what was that? Uh, October twenty third, nineteen eighty three. There was a, a bombing at the barracks in Beirut that killed. 241 U.S. military personnel. And when you say the New Jersey, you're talking about the USS New Jersey that went in to respond to that, Tom. Yes. uh, When the New Jersey was sending support, firing in support of the Lebanese army, that suddenly made us an active participant. We we were sitting there with, with weapons unloaded because we're a peacekeeping force and we're targeted big time as soon as that first round flew and so i i just hope that they consider that uh, the ramifications if we ever fire in support of israel that's going to put a target on every american over there and uh, it's bad enough that biden already put a put a price tag on each one it being a billion dollars each i mean that's pretty pathetic <laughs> You know, but uh, and it puts a target on every U.S. citizen, be they military or not. Right now, Tom, let me ask you a question, because I, I think that you're right. But I would go a step further and say, doesn't every American have a target on them right now just for the sake of being American when you're faced with enemies? You just mentioned that 40 years ago you were in service and you were attacked by Hezbollah. Right. And Islamic Jihad, uh, who did that bombing, all of it was found to be in court sanctioned by Iran, right? They were ultimately the culprit. So the same players are still in action today. Maybe it's not Islamic Jihad today. It's Hamas and Hezbollah. But the same people, same same ideology, same evil force. And they're currently holding 199 hostages, uh, some of which are Americans. They've killed uh, 30 or 29 Americans to date. Uh, Without the billion-dollar bounty on our head, I think that just by the fact that Iran opens up their parliament saying death to America, death to Israel, and Americans that are in 
in uh, this country, uh, in um, in Israel, are being slaughtered. It seems like the target's already there. They're just going to look for any rewards that come that way, you know. And like I said, they don't need any reason. You know, that that's just how they're groomed. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Tom. I'm sorry. The music means we got to go. I appreciate your service. Godspeed to you. I'm glad you made it out of Beirut. And folks, we're coming back. We're going to have more discussion on will we have a potential war with Iran? Is that what this is going to lead up to? Who knows? We'll discuss it. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at Night, and we're coming right back. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program. Happy Monday to you. 833-482-5337 is the phone number if you want to join us on our late-night national town hall conversation, 8334-VALDEZ. And uh, Speaker of the House, former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, says that he is confident that Jim Jordan will have the 217 votes to become House Speaker. Meanwhile, you got several key Republican um, holdouts have now endorsed Jim Jordan for speaker. We'll get to more on that at the top of the next hour. Uh, The Biden administration's picked uh, 2000 troops for potential deployment to the Middle East to support Israel. They have had one aircraft carrier there. They've sent another. And the uh, administration sent seventy five million dollars to Palestine as intelligence agencies warned that Hamas sought to escalate rocket attacks against Israel. We'll get into that. And there's a story that's trending here from a couple hours ago that a top Iranian envoy is warned that a preemptive action against Israel is expected soon. Iranian Foreign Minister Hossein Amir, I don't mean to insult him, I just didn't know how to say it, Amir Bodahalian. Uh, on Monday, warned that preemptive action against Israel could be expected in the coming hours due to its bombing of Gaza, according to Iranian state TV. Amir Badoli, he said that Israel, which is waging an air campaign against the Palestinian, uh, Palestinian militant group Hamas with a ground invasion, is expected soon. And it won't be allowed to take such uh, actions in the Gaza Strip without repercussions. Again, according to uh, Foreign Minister Hussein Amir Bedoli. So that's uh, the story there. And I'm wondering, is, is war with Iran imminent or is it avoidable? I don't have the answer to that, but someone who understands this 
better than me is Major General Bob Dees, U- U.S. Army, served for 31 years in the U.S. Army with a wide variety of command and staff positions, including commander of the U.S.-Israeli Combined Task Force for Missile Defense. He now runs the National Center for Healthy Veterans uh, in Virginia, and he's with us now. General, welcome, sir. Rich, good to be with you. My pleasure. Thanks for being with us tonight. There's a lot to discuss here. So this news that Iran is potentially um, going to have a preemptive strike, which, I mean, how much more preemptive can it be with uh, Hamas already striking? But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think uh, I would expect Iran to say this, uh, whether they plan on doing it or not, just because there's a a very active information warfare uh, along with this whole campaign. Uh, I think uh, my thought, Rich, is that leadership makes a difference. And so uh, U.S. deterrence and other uh, uh, Middle Eastern nations speaking out would uh, assist in deterring Iran from their involvement. You know, if they think there's going to be a high price to pay, either from the U.S. or from others or from Israeli nukes, then uh, I think their uh, preemptive action might be deterred. But one doesn't know. They've done some crazy things thus far. Now, General, uh, and I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, matter of fact, I mean, just a quick aside. Uh, during the commercial break, I spoke briefly with my daughter. She's 18 years old, and she's telling me that all her friends think she's crazy because she thinks that Israel is just defending their right to exist. And all her friends told her that she, she's wrong for not being with the hashtag free Palestine movement. And when you say that uh, information warfare is a key component of this, you're not kidding. I mean, this is happening with people that have no, um, no stake in the game, right? Just uh, American teenagers that are being subjected to this on social media. So you're 100% right when you're talking about um, the information warfare part of this. But what I find interesting— yep, that's and I yeah, and I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to set this no, up go ahead. so that you could hear it. Um, there's um, a clip from President Biden. He was on 60 Minutes yesterday, and he says that there's no evidence that Iran was involved in this. Listen to this. There's limited fighting already on the northern Israeli border, and I wonder what is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. Don't come across the border. Don't escalate this war. That's right. Is Iran behind the Gaza war? I don't want to get into classified information, but to be very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no evidence that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of where they... Did they have foreknowledge? Did they help plan the attack? there's, There's no evidence of that at this point. Now, that's President Biden on with Scott Pelley. But I want to play one more audio real quick because this is a juxtaposition uh, of these two sentiments, right? Admiral John Kirby, who's with the Biden administration and a spokesperson, uh, he says, well, of course, Iran was complicit in the Hamas attack. And he said that on Fox News Sunday. So, you know, one's on 60 Minutes, the other one's on Fox News Sunday, and they don't seem to have their story straight. Listen to this. 
Washington Post says this, even if you don't see the direct link yet, they quote a Western intelligence yeah. official saying, if you train people on how to use weapons, you expect them to eventually use them. Does the White House need a direct link on this specific attack to hold Iran in some way accountable? Well, of course, Iran is broadly complicit here. And of course, the resourcing and training they've given to Hamas has obviously helped Hamas function and be able to conduct the terrorist attacks that they have been able to conduct. Um, we have held Iran accountable. So that's Admiral John Kirby. General, I turn to you and I say, we've got Biden saying, don't, 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 don't. There's no clear evidence. And we've got John Kirby saying, well, of course, Iran was complicit. What is the story here? Well, uh, you're correct, Rich. They're not speaking with one voice. Uh, I I think Biden's uh, rendition is implausible. Um, Just a little historical context. In 2002, I was involved with Israeli special operations. They took down a ship in the Red Sea, turned out to be Iranian with an Iranian crew, and they unloaded all the weaponry that was uh, to be delivered uh, through the Mediterranean in these high-tech shipping containers. They would float 10 feet under the water. Gaza's fishermen would come out, net them, put them in caves underneath. And then uh, the rockets be headed Israel the next day. The, the, the point with that was that the, the Shia and the Sunni were, for the first time we knew, there was a smoking gun, uh, collaborating with one another against Israel. And so this uh, Iranian collaboration with Hamas and with other terrorist organizations has been going on for decades. This is nothing new. And for uh, President Biden to suggest that there's, there's no connection is uh, really implausible. But secondly, uh, you, you mentioned that Kirby there said, uh, "Hold Iran, we have held Iran accountable." Well, how is that? I'm I'm not seeing that, Rich. Right, they're saying they're waging war, and you know, I, just for the sake of the audience, I want to say, General, you, you sound like you're very knowledgeable on this, and you you were there, you were in Israel, you're part of this this uh, task force uh, with the uh, American Army and, and whatnot. You have expertise that I don't have, and that's why I wanted you to be here. But I don't know your politics, and I don't know you, but Based on your experience, has it ever been true that the Israelis called for the extermination or a genocide of their neighbors? No, I've never heard that. I've I've never once heard that. I've interacted with them a lot. I've heard it many times from the other side, though. Me too. And and that's all I hear. And, you know, I'm still shocked. And it's rare that I get shocked. I consume news like people breathe. And, and I, I, I'm always shocked when I hear the audio clips or the video clips of Iranian parliament opening and them chanting death to America, death to Israel. And I think, imagine if we opened Congress that way. We open it with a prayer. But and it, I don't think it makes us any holier than thou, but I think it makes us sane. And I think it makes them insane. And I think that the fact that this gets lost on so many people that are looking at this conflict today and people are crying about water, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I just feel like there is such an information war going on right now for the hearts and minds of American people. And it's it is surprising to me. Oh, I agree with you, Rich. You've seen the uh, protest on college campuses. You know, mm-hmm. the refrain that says Palestine from the river to the sea, that directly refers to uh, elimination of Israel totally and a in uh, a. Palestinian decimation of Israel. That's that's what that uh, whole thing does when they chant it in Iran, or when they chant it in Palestine, and, and then the, when they chant the same thing on American universities, whether they know it or not, they are asking for the death of Israel. Interesting analysis. We're going to continue with uh, Major General Bob Dees, retired U.S. Army, and uh, he was part of the he was the 
commander of the U.S.-Israeli Combined Task Force, Task Force excuse me, for Missile Defense. We're going to continue on his analysis on whether uh, we're going to war with Iran or not and what's got Washington nervous. It seems to me that they might be nervous because they can't get their story straight. Stick around, folks, plus your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We're on with Major General Bob Dees, retired U.S. Army, served for 31 years in the United States Army, uh, including as commander of the U.S.-Israeli Combined Task Force for Missile Defense. He now runs the National Center for Healthy Veterans in Virginia. And, General, the topic we're talking about is uh, what Washington fears in the Middle East. And, of course, um, the big answer there is war with Iran. Um Iran is now saying that they're going to have this preemptive strike. It may be saber rattling. It may be otherwise. Uh, but what do you think has got the Biden administration worried at this moment? Well, I think um, the Biden administration is worried that there would be a, an attack directly against Israel. The, the, one of the challenges is that Israel, as they're preparing to attack, is somewhat vulnerable because they are in uh, assembly areas and their forces are clustered closely together. And so if there were a, a massive barrage of rockets again, or even long-range ballistic missiles or air attacks from Iran, that could be problematic. I don't know that any of those are likely, but that's the, the primary thing that they could do. I think uh, now with two aircraft carriers and a lot of U.S. air uh, and other uh, forces in place, I think uh, it might be a fool's errand on the part of Iran. And uh, they, like as, as I mentioned in our earlier segment, you know, Israel does have nuclear capability. Uh, they would be loath to use it, but um, if their very existence is at risk, and if they have attacks from Hezbollah and uh, dealing with Hamas uh, mop-up, and, and then uh, something from Iran and perhaps other Arab nations, then it's clear that Israel would need to use whatever means available and and not just depend upon U.S. in that case. Now, I got two questions for you, General. Number one is sure. uh, we've been hearing that the IDF is making advances to start a, a ground uh, defensive against uh, the the folks, the Hamas terrorists in Gaza. Uh, and they've been dropping the leaflets saying, get out of here, calling for evacuations. And there's been a lot of rhetoric going back and forth. But they've only just started to encroach on this and they've just been doing some aerial bombing. Uh, do, do you feel that why is I guess to me as a bystander, I've never been a general, not even on the radio. Um, why is it taking so long? Like, why didn't they go in there and push, blow everything up right away? Right. Well, I think uh, this is a, a tension between uh, trying to get the right intelligence and figure out where hostages may be mm-hmm. versus uh, just going in blindly. Uh, so there is there is a need for speed because human life is at, at risk, the, uh, the those that have been captured. But um, it, this is a very complex operation, and they don't know the degree to which uh, there may be um, – 
not just booby traps and things like that for the troops, but but major challenges uh, with, for major force movements. Um, you know, there could be uh, chemical operations, or there could be other things. There could be a, a rocket. Uh, boxes that are uh, held to uh, go against Israeli forces when they get uh, crunched up as they go through the front lines. There could be all sorts of uh, options. And so a commander has to be judicious. You can't be foolhardy at a time like this because uh, when you're putting your soldiers at risk, you want to set the conditions with intelligence, with logistics, with uh, – they're probably – or I know they have been doing some spoiling attacks. Those spoiling attacks assist in gaining information. Uh, where lanes are through uh, through the rubble and so forth. So mm. there's a, there's a, a great complexity that goes with it, um, and and also uh, I think the Israelis they recognize they need to get some of these refugees out of the way, uh, not just out of a compassionate but also out of prag- pragmatic. Uh, right. You get more refugees out of Dodge, then you you sort of know who the enemy is much more clearly. Right, and I guess it gives them a, a lot less opportunity to use human shields and whatnot, and that has been, I think, Hamas's mo from the very beginning. Now, General, I guess to follow that up, how do you see this thing ending? Uh, and again, I, you know, I'm saying a lot of things tongue in cheek. I don't want anybody to go and flatten Gaza or destroy everybody. I'm just wondering. I realize sure. that it is complex, and that if you've got bad guys that are hiding in hospitals, hiding in mosques, hiding in schools, um, Egypt is not allowing anybody to cross the border it's difficult to evacuate one point whatever million people that are there it this becomes incredibly difficult and it's hard right. to identify and they have these tunnels and whatnot and they're going to take the hostages with them if that's their mo how do you do something like this well this is a uh, marathon not a sprint you have to do it deliberately they're going to go through they'll have to go house by house to block by block tunnel by tunnel uh, trying to find these hostages and also trying to eliminate uh, Hamas capability and leadership. So that will take a long time. And I, I, would, I would also add, Rich, that uh, much longer than the however long this war lasts is the human dimension. Uh, the civilians and, and the military, I had a call with the uh, Israeli military the Friday before this attack occurred, and they were uh, asking me for advice about how they take care of their uh, military with PTSD, TBI, and moral mm-hmm. injury, and some of these things that we're very familiar with in the United States. So it's uh, you've got the whole human dimension they'll be dealing with for decades after the conflict, whatever that looks like. So now the National Center for Healthy Veterans, um, do you guys deal with a lot of TBI, traumatic brain injury? Yeah, we sure do. Uh, we're uh, in... Uh, we, we have a community living to defeat isolation because when these folks have TBI or PTSD or moral injury, they tend to isolate. So we try to break down that isolation quickly, and then we give them dignified work because a lot of them have just sort of lost purpose. So we, right. we're we an active farm ranch and all that. And then we have very deliberate um, trauma recovery and life skills programs because uh, in some cases, if you have, like for instance, traumatic brain injury, you're quite frustrated because you don't have the mental capabilities and you have a foggy brain and you get irritated mm-hmm. more. And emotional regulation is a tremendous challenge. So we yeah. help people understand their triggers and how to do that. And then to be honest, Rich, we're, we're also trying something called hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which mm-hmm. uh, has shown great promise for 
uh, healing the brain more rapidly, uh, clearing up that brain fog that goes along with traumatic brain injury. We've got a uh, Marine uh, veteran that's uh, in that treatment right now, and in just two weeks, he's improved uh, drastically. General, let everybody know how they could learn more about the National Center for Healthy Veterans. Yeah, well, thanks, Rick. Yeah, they can go to healthyveterans.org, healthyveterans.org, and uh, learn all about us. Major General Bob Dees, retired U.S. Army, sir. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I thank you for your service and for being here tonight. Thank you, Rich. Pleasure. You bet. Godspeed. Folks, we're coming right back with a live report from an IDF reservist on the border of Gaza. Don't miss it. I'm Rich Valdez. Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We're gonna we're scheduled to have a conversation with Raz Shmilovich. He is uh, an Israeli Army reservist with the uh, IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, and he is at the border in Gaza. Uh, scheduled to give us a live report, but as you might imagine, things might be out of hand over there, so uh, the connection is not secure just yet. As we are able to get him, we will, hoping that he's all right and he's well. Uh, but I want to get to your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. Let's go to Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA, and check in with Joshua. Joshua, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Go for it. All right. I think they've gotten Joshua. Joshua, are you okay? Has Hamas gotten you? Joshua. Joshua, are you there? Joshua's not there. (laughs) I hope that you're all right, Joshua. But moving along, there's a clip of audio that I wanted to share with you uh, earlier. And again, it was um, along the lines of Jake Tapper with his his, um, commentary on the water situation in Gaza. But he was talking about the Israelis bombing the crap out of Gaza as if it doesn't seem like hostages are a priority. So so I want you to listen to Jake Tapper in conversation with uh, NSA uh, spokesperson Jake Sullivan on CNN yesterday, where he's making the case that, you know, the Israelis are just having a field day with bombing the crap out of Gaza and uh, kind of de-emphasizing the fact that there are hostages there. Listen to this. Is rescuing the hostages a priority at all? I mean, Israeli news media, like Haaretz, they say it doesn't seem like it at all. And, and frankly, Jake, if my kids were being held hostage in Gaza, and as you know, there are Americans being held hostage in Gaza right now, I'd want you, be, you to send in the Navy SEALs. What, what's the conversation like in the White House about the U.S. conducting any sort of operations in order to save Americans being held hostage in Gaza? Well, the president has been very clear that he has no higher priority than getting Americans back safe, Americans who are being held hostage by Hamas. The Israelis are right bombing now. the crap out in of Gaza, and, and, Jake. I mean, wh- wh- that, that doesn't seem like saving the hostages are a priority at all right now. Well, for President Biden, they are a priority. Uh, they're the highest possible priority, and he has sent 
hostage experts to coordinate and consult with the Israeli government on hostage recovery efforts. He's also made sure that our diplomats are in touch with third countries in the region to explore avenues for their safe release. So, the, the, again, it, to me, it, it, what angers me or disappoints me is the, the lack of honesty. And again, Jake Sullivan's <clears throat> going to answer whatever he's got to do to toe his political line. And Jake Tapper, um, in this tale of two Jakes, is asking questions as if there's something wrong with getting attacked and defending yourself. Right? I, I believe that is how it works, right? If you, you know, the, the Japanese sent kamikaze pilots into Hawaii and we got them back. I believe that's correct. It's accurate. It's the right thing to do. That's just my thought. Maybe you think I'm a, a neocon warhawk. Feel free. But I think that's what you do. You don't just sit there and go, well, listen, you shouldn't have done that. That wasn't very nice. Why are you attacking us? That is so wrong. No, you don't do that. You're walking down the street and somebody punches you in the face. You don't go, excuse me, sir. Why did you just hit me? What is wrong with you? No, you don't do that. You hit them back. You make sure they don't hit you again. I mean, that's, that's, I think it's a human nature response, I would suspect. I guess some people are different. But when it comes to your protection of a nation state that you've been entrusted to protect, i.e. America, um, Jake Sullivan, Joe Biden, John Kirby, you've got to do the right thing. Now, I don't believe they're doing the right thing. I think they're screwing this up. And the president of Israel, he was also on CNN, and he was describing how the Hamas terrorists actually have manuals, a how-to book on how to torture and kidnap. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to believe, but this is the way they're doing it. And the only reason I believe it, I've seen this stuff here in America. I've seen them with the bomb-making kits because, you know, if they won't listen to you, then peaceful protest, resistance, make a bomb and bomb a federal building. Right. I'm not old enough to remember that stuff, but I've seen plenty of the history and interviewed a lot of people and the weather underground, the weathermen, all sorts of uh, domestic terrorists, you know, thought of themselves as freedom fighters and protesters. And I've seen it happen time and again when you had that same group, the, the, the Puerto Rican nationalists that went into the halls of Congress in 1954. Lolita Lebron was the, the head of that. And, you know, some Puerto Ricans today celebrate her as a hero and others condemn her as a terrorist. The jury's out. And, and it's the same thing that we're seeing here. Some people think this is the right thing to do. Others think it's not. But uh, again, uh, Israeli President Isaac Herzog, he described this. Listen to this. I'll show you another example. This was found on the body of one of the terrorists. This is a booklet. Okay, this booklet is instruction guide how to go into a civilian premises, into a kibbutz, a city, a moshav, how to break in. And first thing, what do you do when you find the citizens? You torture them. This is the booklet. It says exactly how to torture them, how to abduct them, how to kidnap them. So therefore, the story is not Israel versus Palestinians or Judaism versus Islam, God forbid. The story is about human, humanity. Are we with the good or are we with evil? That's where humanity should stand. And the battle that we are carrying out now as a nation rising up as a lion is, a, is against evil. And we will uproot evil so that there will be good for the entire region and the world. 
That's Isaac Herzog, president of uh, Israel on CNN, explaining how they do this. And uh, I, I've got to say, this is very distressing to me, right? Uh, perhaps you think, like the guy from Philly who says, this is great, I want to applaud Hamas. I think they did a great job. Put a smile on my face. There are some sick people out there. Anyway, I want to get to uh, your calls momentarily. Uh, but before I do, I want you to hear Peter Lerner. He is uh, a spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces. He was on CNN today explaining what's happening to kids in Gaza and who's responsible for it. Listen to this. What is happening to the children of Gaza is oh, it's just heartbreaking. But ultimately, the responsibility lies with Hamas and what they've done to the Gaza Strip. They have, you know, they've been... Done, been terrible to the people of Gaza. They've let them down miserably. And, and this is just the eventuality of their making. When they declared war on Israel, they made a huge mistake. When Hamas declared war against us, they basically signed their death warrant. Our job is to secure the safe and, and re restore safety and security to the people of Israel. You know, there are some th 1,000, over 1,300 people that were butchered at the instruction of the Hamas terrorist organization. So indeed, these the images of children on, in, in Gaza, but also, you know, we are still, there are children that have been abducted by Hamas and being held by them. They have no regard for human life, Israeli or Palestinian. And, and this is the tragedy of it. You know, this, is, this government, the Hamas government, this terrorist government, they have, they have done nothing good for the people of Gaza. And unfortunately, in, in our efforts to secure the state of Israel, it is indeed the people of Gaza that are paying the price for their poor leadership. I think Peter Lerner, the IDF spokesman, nails it here. Absolutely hits the nail on the head because I think that's an accurate assessment. They, they've created this problem. And now they're living in it. And they don't know where to go. I, I'm pretty sure they expected this to happen. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they thought that, you know, it would be a slap on the wrist. Maybe they, they thought, or maybe they were going for broke. Who knows? Uh, but to me, it seems poorly thought out and not very smart. Perhaps they thought they'd be martyrs and said, you know, we're going to do this. And these guys are going to come for blood. They're going to flatten us, destroy us, obliterate us, pulverize us. And maybe that's what they want to, to spark a, a global jihad, a global holy war. Uh, against Israel to get more people. And they called for that on Friday. That didn't go great. I mean, there were some instances, and again, Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, he came out saying um, we're, we were expecting uh, homegrown attacks, whatever and whatnot, on our soil. There was a shooting, I think it was earlier today or just yesterday, uh, in Europe where uh, some uh, Hamas sympathizers chased down some people and just shot them in broad daylight inside of a store. It's crazy stuff. Um, as part of the uh, day of global jihad that they were calling for on Friday. All I could say is um, this doesn't seem like it's going to get better until it gets a little worse. That's my thought. I don't know. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you agree. Let me know. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. 
That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. I want to go to the phones on this one. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to Sebring, Florida, WWTK, and check in with Andrew. Andrew, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich, I'm actually down in Miami now. What a stark contrast. But eh, with Love Miami. Event, oh, man. With this current events right now, though, I feel strongly that we're taking the current situation and using it as a just a quick summary of what's going on. There's so much at play here that nobody's talking about. There's so much backstory. This stuff goes back to, you know, biblical stuff, if you think about it. Sure. You know, and a lot of it is being missed. Okay, sure. Baby well, what would you like to point out? I would like to point out the fact that I think here in the States, I think a lot of us need to do some more research on the situation and to maybe give a shot at why these folks are behaving so crazily. There's a reason for it. It didn't happen just overnight. No, of course not. I mean, earlier we talked about how um, Hezbollah was bombing the Marines in uh, what was almost 40 years ago in Beirut, Lebanon. And Iran's been hijacking American airliners for a long time. I mean, I think Iran and, and their hatred of the U.S. Is, is, goes into the Carter days. So very, very long history, as long as I'm alive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the thing is, but even in the Carter days, we weren't that hated. If you, if you trace this thing back, they really didn't have a problem with us. They knew we backed Israel and all that kind of stuff, but they know why. So they gave us a pass. But it wasn't until we started really sticking our hands in the situation that, they're like, okay, we hate you guys too now. So we forced this hate on ourselves, as far as I see it. You know, we, we, we could have done more. We should have done more. Like, like what? Like, like ease up on the settlement stuff. Okay? There were other people that were there living in these places, and these folks come and literally take the land. I mean, come on, how do, you, how do you justify that? How do you watch your, your, your forefather's house and land being taken away from you? Yeah, well, I think this is one of those things where you've got people that look at it exactly the same way from both sides. You know, you go back even further in history, and that land was once Israel. And then after Israel was uh, pushed out back in the, whatever century that was, uh, it became other places, and then it became other places, and there was multiple eras, and then eventually it becomes Israel again. And uh, I, I see everybody's claim uh, for, for this land, but ultimately they reached resolution, whether they liked it or not, they reached this resolution of the um, the Balfour uh, Accords or whatever that was called, and that's where they are. Now, th- even if this settlement argument uh, that, you know, we got squatters, they're taking over our land, they're not treating us right, they don't let us in and out, 
all all understandable. Uh, I can understand that. I never in a million years would I, or even you, or anybody I've ever been in contact with, think of using um, hang gliders to go after a bunch of kids at a music festival and kill them, and then you know rape young people and uh, behead small children, and you know for anybody to turn around and tell me, well, well, they 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 taken too much. They're they're about to pop. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've, I've never seen such a thing. I've never seen myself get so mad. Even if I was mad enough to kill somebody, I'm not going to go kill the guy, his wife, his kids, his dog. But that's what's happening. They're calling the people of the, that they've kidnapped to, to show them the, the deaths that are, that they're, the murders that they're committing. To me, one has nothing to do with the other. If you have a dispute over real estate, a dispute over uh, over where a property line is, a dispute over, hey, you stole my house, I want my house back, yeah, that's enough to go shoot somebody. But it, in my opinion, you don't go and do this mass assault where you, you kill 40 little kids, you're getting old people, you, you're kidnapping people, and you're holding 199 hostages right now. Uh, to me, it just doesn't, and again, like you said, there's history. Uh, I've never seen the Israelis kidnap anybody and then go and run to a synagogue and, so that they won't be attacked. Uh, I've never seen the Israelis go and and kidnap somebody or fire a rocket and then go and hide in a hospital or a church. I, I just none of that's ever happened uh, in history. Have you seen that, Andrew? Of course not. But desperation will bring certain things, Rich. What what are they going to do? They live in they live in a spot they can't even move from. They have to. You know, well, let me ask you, when you've had an injustice done to you, what have you done? If you had no leverage, no money, no whatever, what, what did you do? Like I said, Rich, the only, the only thing I can offer up to you right now is to tell you that desperation will make people do crazy stuff. I, listen, I agree with that, and we see that, I think, in, in ghettos all across America. People, you know, women sell their bodies, men sell drugs, all sorts of people. Desperate times call for desperate measures. But I've never seen anybody do something like this because of uh, settlements or this, that, or the other thing. To me, two plus two doesn't make four here. These people, their main goal is to destroy Israel. They're on the record saying death to America, death to Israel, and their main goal is to erase Israel from existence. Their goal is a genocide of the Jews, and that's exactly how they're acting. Andrew, thank you for the call. Big shout-out to Sebring, Florida, WWTK. More from you right after this. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. We continue with your thoughts uh, before we get into open phone America and talk about the speaker's race. I want to go to Robert Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. I think you had a comment about uh, what uh, General Dees was talking about. Go right ahead. Yes, um, I have a comment about um, people who have traumatic brain injuries. I've had four traumatic brain injuries and uh, people very, very 
Yeah, I'm a glutton. How did you get four? But it, bicycle accidents. I got hit by by vehicles three times, and I slipped on ice once. Actually, it was wow, you sound terrific. Yeah, well, I, I, my both of my parents were physicians, and my two best friends in Germany were homeopathic physicians, so they all worked on me a little bit. <laughs> you Good know, for you. yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, very lucky guy to have to have to have my accidents in the cities of 500,000 with the best hospitals of, of cities with 500,000 in the world, which are Dresden, Germany, the number one uh, university in in Germany, and in, in in Charleston, South Carolina, I had the other three, and, and that's rated number eighth in the nation. But if you compare the the, the staff, I mean the the cleaning staff and the nursing staff. Uh, with let's say Johns Hopkins, Johns Hopkins looks like the Marine Corps. Just, just yeah, just, you know, Robert, TBI, very serious stuff. I went through it with my dad, and it was incredibly uh, debilitating for him, and an incredible learning experience for me. And the brain is an amazing thing, and it takes a while to heal, but it, it does heal, and it does create new pathways. Fascinating. God speak to you, Robert. I didn't know you had that, and I'm, I'm glad you're doing well, folks. We're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? It's hour number three. We call it Open Phone America here. And um, you can get me online at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez, the phone number. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free. This is where you get to weigh in on anything you like, uh, everything we've talked about throughout the evening, and we've talked about a lot. We've talked about uh, a second U.S. um, aircraft carrier making its way to Israel. Joe Biden scheduled to be in Israel tomorrow, the president of the United States. Uh, We also have the speaker's race that I'm going to dig into uh, shortly. Uh, Anti-Semitism continues. Uh, We also have the reminder that over the weekend, the 14th of October was Jim Bohannon's uh, farewell episode, his final show, his final live broadcast. And I just uh, wanted to take a moment to acknowledge Jimbo um, may... um, he rest in peace. And, um, of course, subsequently after that, tomorrow, which is today in my time zone, the 17th was my first day with you all. So I'm grateful for that opportunity as well. Grateful to be here. And I'm um, looking forward to speaking with you guys tonight. Now, there's uh, some audio I want to play for you about the speaker's race. <clears throat> there's a vote for on the full house scheduled to vote for speaker tomorrow at noon or Tuesday, the 17th of October at 12 noon. And um, Kevin McCarthy says that he expects that Jim Jordan will have enough votes, 217 votes in order to secure the speakership. We'll see exactly how that goes. I'm, I'm hopeful that he can get it on the first round as well. There's been a few people that have made their way and, um, said, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to go for it. Uh, Let's see. We've got 
Speaker, uh, not Speaker, what's his name? Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. He was on Meet the Press, uh, I think yesterday. And um, he says that having a governing coalition by supporting a Republican speaker is something where we're going to need bipartisan cooperation. And of course you need that because you have a bipartisan vote and it's going to happen tomorrow at noon. But I want you to listen to um, my clip number 15 here of Hakeem Jeffries on Meet the Press. You'd effectively need about five Democrats to get on board and support a Republican speaker to have a governing coalition. Have you identified a candidate who you could potentially get behind him? Would you allow your members to vote for a Republican speaker? We have not identified any candidate on the other side of the aisle because our focus is not on the individual. It's on the institution of Congress and the best interests of the American people, which is why what we've suggested is that we reevaluate the rules that are currently in place to facilitate bipartisan cooperation and to eliminate division. So we're going to see how that works out. Again, we saw the bipartisan cooperation when they ousted McCarthy (laughs) that uh, every Democrat voted to get rid of McCarthy and, uh, and a handful of Republicans as well. Let's see what happens with the vote uh, tomorrow. Now, I don't necessarily expect Democrats to be a part of this. Uh, That's really only going to help the Republicans. I think they voted to get rid of McCarthy because they felt that was going to hurt Republicans. So uh, whether or not Jim Jordan's going to get his 217 tomorrow remains to be seen. My gut tells me he's going to get it, whether it's on that first round or a a very near subsequent round. I think he's going to get it. I think he's really the man for the job. Uh, But we're going to see how that plays out. Now, there were several key Republicans that were holding out that are now on board. Uh, You've got House Armed Services Committee Chairman Mike Rogers from Alabama, uh, Kevin Calvert from California. Both said that they would never back Jim Jordan and they've now endorsed Jordan for speaker. So whatever deal had to be made was done. Uh, Then you had the. Uh, let's see who else here. Do, 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 do. They've cleared the air, blah, blah, blah. Let me see who else we got. Tom McClintock. <clears throat> he was also uh, holding out, also announced that he's backing Jordan. Uh, Ann Wagner uh, from Missouri has also uh, come out for Jordan after initial opposition, saying, Jim Jordan and I spoke at length this morning, and he has allayed my concerns about keeping the government open with conservative funding, the need for strong border security, our need for consistent international support in times of war and unrest, as well as the need for stronger protections against the scourge of human trafficking and child exploitation, Ms. Wagner said in a statement that she released. So uh, those are all good, um, good indicators that I think he's doing what you have to do, winning people over to get the votes. That's literally how Congress works. So uh, looks like it's heading in the right direction. We're going to see exactly how it plays out on Friday. He uh, got the nomination with 124 to 81 vote. And it shows that there was, you know, still some people out there. So we're going to see what happens there. But I want to go to the phones, get to your calls and your thoughts on this stuff, as well as the Israel conflict uh, where uh, Hamas is murdering people and now calling for a, not a ceasefire, but they're saying stop the bombing and maybe we'll give you some, some, uh, hostages back. I don't know how how persuasive that is. Uh, I mean, 
I would hope that it's honest and that they actually are going to release these people. But to me, it seems that's the only leverage they have. These are people that are used to using people as human shields. So if they don't have humans, how are they going to shield themselves? That's my thinking. Uh, but uh, let's get your um, your calls on this stuff. Let's see. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, WRNN. Let's check in with Al. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Thank you, sir. Um, I just wanted to cover um, life imitating art. We're living mm-hmm. it right now. Orwell, a Dystopia, Red Dawn, one and two, and Die Hard. These people have, don't have any idea how, how to do things um, original. They're going to copy what things that are in the movies. But we're living it right now. It's happening now- with the border. What's going on in Israel? It's just that's just a precursor to what's going to happen here. Well, what what art are you talking about, though? Are you you're saying there's a movie about an open border? I'm not following. No, oh, well, Invasion USA. I mean, that was a what eighties. Um, oh Chuck yeah, with Norris. Chuck Norris. Sure, yeah. great movie. Okay, Red great Dawn. movie. Red yeah, well, Dawn. listen, if we have a Red Dawn scenario, I think uh, it'll be a, a horrible thing. Uh, I don't think we're as equipped as the guys in Hollywood. I think there's a bunch of Americans that are ready for a Red Dawn scenario, and I think there's a whole bunch more that aren't. And, uh, you know, just imagine, right? You know, some foreign, I think they were Chinese or UN type of soldiers that had taken over in Red Dawn. And, you know, uh, Russian, yeah, Russian soldiers. Uh, Well, um, that was the original. The remake had uh, some other ones. But... Ultimately, you know, they're in a neighborhood and they're taking over, you know, this neighborhood and uh, the Wolverines get together and they fight back. And I think great mentality to have and great to be prepared that way should something like that happen. But I feel like, I don't know, nine out of every 10 people that I've met aren't ready for that and don't think it'll ever happen. Uh, I would beg to differ. I don't know that it's going to happen, but I think we should be prepared. Al? Al? That's the problem. Being prepared? Yes. No, yeah, nobody, you know, you're listening to the news and they're, they're telling you everything's okay, but it's not okay. These people are infiltrating us now, and they're not all good. They're not all here just to work. The bad guys are here, too. What, over a million and a half got aways. They got away because they didn't want to get caught. They didn't want to turn themselves in. They're not here to work. They're here to do damage. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I agree we have to be prepared. And and I also believe that when uh, the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, when he says that um, they're here on our soil, I think we should pay attention. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I but, agree with you 100% on that one. Everybody be ready. Be prepared. That's one of those things. And again, not just for an invasion on our land, just all the time. I mean, you know, a, a crazy leftist that's, looking to steal something from you just whatever right i think you just got to be ready for all of those scenarios uh as best as you can be whether it's uh, being armed uh getting a dog upgrade your security you do whatever you got to do just make sure you stay safe al thank you for the call from myrtle beach south carolina wrnn folks would continue with your calls and more straight ahead 833-482-5337 833-4-VALDEZ this is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 
for Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And we continue with your calls on all the topics that we've been discussing this evening. I want to go to Joshua. I think he's been released from custody. We tried to go to him earlier. Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA. Joshua, go right ahead. Hey, young man. First of all, thank you for mentioning Jim. I remember that show, of course, and uh, I miss him very much. And it's wonderful to hear that tag music, to just to think about him during your performances. So thank you for that. Thank you. I'd also like to say... God bless you for your voice of reason and empathy, intelligence, logic, and compassion. I, I do feel kind. that this is a question of good versus evil in very simple terms. And I really enjoyed your guest earlier, and perhaps in the future, if you have another military person on your show, you could inquire about how strange it is that how this even happened to this state of Israel, considering that it's so well thought of for its security and forces and intelligence. It seems like there had to be somebody on the inside or something on the anniversary of a surprise war on a holy day on the morning of a Sabbath to not have extra people posted on alert, one extra guy with a pair of binoculars, it seems very illogical that this was able to happen by itself. And also, it's strange to me that if I hire a security company to watch my warehouse, and I come back Monday and everything's been stolen and the guard is asleep, that person is gonna be fired immediately and uh, replaced with someone that knows what's going on. I find it strange that the same people that failed so horribly um, are allowed to continue to run what's going on. I also want to say that this is a question of genocide, of a desire for genocide, unfortunately. And as far as the things that I complimented you on, reason and empathy and intelligence and logic and compassion. In this world, these rules do not apply to the Jewish people. They are judged by a different reasons, different way of thinking, um, and that has been the plight of those people, and they're, so to speak, cross to bear. Since the beginning of their existence, they are not judged by the same rules by this world. Thank you mm. so much. You, you're welcome, Joshua. And you, I think that's a fair point. Uh, I think you, you bring up a fair point that, you know, when it comes to, to the Jews, 
they've kind of had the deck stacked against them to use a Trump's term. It's rigged folks. I, I feel like it has been rigged. You know, um, one of my, uh, my, my old boss, the great one, Mark Levin, he would often, uh, refer to how the New York times was very, um, reluctant to cover the, ho- the Holocaust as it was happening, uh, you know, to the degree that it was happening. They would mention that, you know, there was, um, you know, something going on, there was conflict, there was turmoil, but they would never, you know, get into to what we know today to, you know, ovens and mass graves and how, how severe it was. And even, you know, in, in, in a similar fashion, Jake Tapper again, and I know he's covered this. I, I see some of the stuff he does, but for, for him to go into this line of questioning about shutting off the water after people were attacked, I, I think is, is really uh, nonsensical in my opinion. And it seems to be like, you know, would you say that about any other people that were attacked? Would you talk about why did you turn off the water? And I, I said it earlier and I'll repeat it. You know, they're doing a drug raid on a crack house with 10 drug dealers in it. They turn off the water. They turn off the power that, you know, the, the they this is how they do these types of things. And it, it's just shocking to me to think that that's OK uh, or nobody's complaining about it when it's used to um, to go on a drug raid. But when you go after people that are homicidal, genocidal maniacs that, you know, abused little kids and murdered them and set them on fire alive and all of that, that somehow these are people, they're civilians. They have to. I understand that. I think every it goes without saying that wars are fought where they're fought. It's not like a football game where you say, listen, I don't like you. We're going to play touch football on Sunday on the field. Right. And if you take out your frustrations on on the field or tackle or whatever it is, no. You know, Ukrainians and Russians are fighting in Ukraine. Wars are fought where they're fought. And and people are there are dying. And nobody's crying about, you know, when when anything that one side's done to the other. So, I mean, they complain. But not, nothing to this degree where I feel like it, it's just, uh, if you want to point out that there are civilians, that's great. Um, it, it's, it's very important that we point it out and that we avoid war as much as we can. But when it comes to something like this, uh, and, and the gravity of this type of thing, I, I, I agree that uh, it shouldn't happen. Now, with the other point that you made, which was uh, that, you know, perhaps there's a mole inside of Israel. Um, I think when you have bad guys that are constantly attacking you, they're, they're always looking for a way. Part of those smaller rocket attacks that they do are to judge and, and assess how the IDF responds to these things. So I think, you know, they spent a lot of time planning this thing and and pulled it off. And I think it had to do with the movement of certain resources because of uh, certain appearances that the prime minister was making. At least that's one theory I've heard. Again, I don't know. But I do realize that most crimes of, of this nature, you, you practice them, you rehearse them, you wait for them, and then you wait for the right moment. And when you find the right moment, you seize the day. And I, I just think that's that's what happened in this situation. And it's unfortunate, but I appreciate the call. Big shout out to you. Very kind words. And uh, let me see. Do we have time? No, you'd get cut off if we go here. I only have like 40 seconds. So what we'll do is I'll I'll let you know a little bit about what I want to talk about uh, in the next segment, because there's a uh, let's see here. The governor in Massachusetts has announced that the state is going to run out of room for migrants by the end of the month. This seems to be a trend. First, it was um, El Embustero Eric Adams. Embustero means liar. Um, Embustero 
Eric Adams, he says, oh, no, no, we can't have no more. We can't it's gonna destroy the city, right? And that, now we've got the governor of Massachusetts making a similar claim, saying, look, we're out of space on our shelters. You're going to have to take a number. You know, all of a sudden they become common sense thinkers when it's literally in their backyard. And I, I just can't imagine um, how, uh, how that makes them feel. But we'll talk about that. Plus, we're going to talk about that crazy story about the guy that stabbed the six-year-old. I mean, it's absolute insanity. What a piece of trash that guy is. Anyway, we're going to get to that straight ahead. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back. Massachusetts, Maura Healy, she's a Democrat. She has a message for illegal immigrants looking to come to Massachusetts. We don't have room for you. Listen to this. We do not have enough space, service providers, or funds to safely expand beyond 7,500 families. We expect to hit that limit at the end of the month. From that point on, we will no longer be able to guarantee shelter placement for new families entering the system. I want to ensure you that we will continue to engage, assess, and serve every family who appeals for help as best we can. Families with high needs, including health and safety risks, will be prioritized for shelter placement. So Massachusetts is required to provide immediate housing to qualifying families under a decades-old what uh, law they call the Right to Shelter Law. It's one of the very few in the country, but the governor warned uh, today that the state is going to hit the number of 7,500 or whatever she noted, um, and they're not going to be able to fit anymore. Makes sense to me, right? We got space for this. That's all we've got. And it fascinates me. It really does. Uh, again, not not surprised, but somewhat disappointed and, and really, you know, just it's a fascination that these folks that think, you know, oh, we're going to be a sanctuary city. We're going to do this. What did you think would happen? You didn't think you were going to run out of space. You didn't think you were going to hit your limit. You didn't think you weren't going to be able to manage this. You should have thought of those things, right? This, this whole thing is, is, is so predictable. Everybody knew this was going to happen yet. It's happening. Absolute insanity to me. Uh, let us go to shields, Michigan, check in with our friend, Kim, listening on KDKA online. Go right ahead, Kim. Thanks, Rich. I'll talk quick because I know you got a lot of calls. Um, Israel has a huge task ahead of it. Um, I found out that these tunnels 
uh, on my shows, there, there are 311 miles of tunnels under Gaza, and they go up to a, over 100 feet deep. That's what Israel's going to have to deal with. And I totally agree with what Ron DeSantis was saying about the Palestinians, um, because the Palestinians of Gaza are not good people. They harbor and they provide safe haven to terrorists. And I think that, um, this is just my opinion, this thing right here, but I think the water and the power was cut off to quicken their exodus because, um, uh, Israel will have to, these tunnels open up underneath buildings. They're going to have to like somehow blast all the buildings so they can find the tunnel openings. But anyways, um, the other thing I wanted to say is the Palestinians are, um, they're finding out that the world doesn't want to harbor them. Um, even like you said, Egypt said, you're not coming here and they're their next door neighbor. And, I'll tell you another group that's like that is the Haitians. When when Haiti had the big um, earthquake like 13 years ago or something, Brazil yeah. took a lot of them in, you know, as refugees. And then when Biden opened up um, our southern border to the world three years ago, um, all the Haitians started leaving Brazil and heading north to the USA. And the president of Brazil said, uh, if the U.S. kicks you out or you're not given haven there, you're not welcome back here. Um, so they left a place where they had a nice life to come here where it might be a little bit better and they'd get some free stuff. And it's funny because Brazil says they don't want them back. And there are peoples around the world that nobody will take them in because they're, they're so nasty or evil or, you know, what a varying reasons, but it's their own fault. You know, what do you think? Yeah. I, I don't know what to think about that one. I mean, obviously I, I think there's a number of things, right? Uh, as much as these neighboring countries may want to help, uh, I think that they don't want to be involved as part of it. Uh, the other part of it is they know who these people are, and they say, you know what? You guys are constantly in conflict. You don't do anything to push uh, out the, um, the, the bad eggs amongst you. So, therefore, you know, everybody's going to go down because of a couple of rotten eggs. And, and I think that's lamentable, but I think that's reality, and that's where we are. So, to me, yeah, I understand Israel uh, is about to go in and Egypt is saying, uh, we're not accepting any Palestinians. Um, I get it. I, I understand. I don't agree. I think that they should let as many as they can in because that's your neighbor and you've got to do what you got to do. And they're not at war with each other. They haven't attacked each other. So therefore they should try to get along, but they're not. And I think the other countries that are not knocking down anybody's door saying, no, 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 come here, come here, pick us, pick us. You know, uh, we, we want to be there. I, I feel that, the the reasoning with that is again same thing they don't they prefer not to be involved uh, or if they are in the most stealth capacity possible so that they could you know kind of survive this thing and get through it and not have to um engage as as hardcore as they might have otherwise uh but it, it seems to me that the the neighboring countries are are non-committal and they're non-committal for whatever their reason being um but it is and it, to your point 
they don't want them, right? They, they're, they're saying no, and it makes sense to say no here. And I think so here too. And it's not because I think they're bad people per se. I don't. I think, you know, if there's a million and a half, two million people there, I don't believe that they're all uh, bad guys. Uh, DeSantis said he believes they're all uh, anti-Semites. Um, that may be true. Uh, again, I, I have not been to that part of the world, but I would venture to say, I think with anything, the Democrat Party, you know, any group, the Republican Party, but more so the Democrat Party, I, I would say, if looking at that as an example, you've got people that mean well, but they kind of follow the lead. And I think that's the same thing, especially in a place like um, the Gaza Strip, where it's a it's smaller in in population and whatnot, and I can't imagine them all being bad guys. I think you get a handful of bad guys that have the power and the control, and then they take advantage of the whole situation by having that power and control. And ultimately, I think that's that's where it ends up. I don't think everybody's a bad guy, but um, they're not doing anything to weed out the bad guys either, and that's kind of that um, guilt by association, if you will. I don't know if all that made sense, but that's my thought on it. Kim, thank you for the call. I appreciate your analysis. Uh, outstanding as usual. Folks, we continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833 482 So Friday was the day of jihad that was called for by the former, the founder of Hamas, or one of the former leaders of Hamas, said uh, we have to band together in this day of jihad. And uh, again, thank God, largely, uh, what is it, the term that the left uses? Mostly peaceful, right? Mostly peaceful, at least in my neck of the woods. Uh, But I can tell you that it wasn't mostly peaceful in Chicago, where a landlord stabbed a six-year-old boy, a baby. This guy, blonde-haired, looks like Hulk Hogan on crack. And I love Hulk Hogan, by the way. This guy looks like, uh, uh, I don't know if he got beat up because he's banged up in his mugshot. Maybe he got a little wooden shampoo, as my buddy Curtis would say. Uh, But horrible, horrible thing. Uh, We've got a news report on this. Listen to this. Details did come out in court today about the suspect as we're learning more about what may have led him to this very heinous attack. Mourners did leave the mosque foundation calling for peace and honoring six-year-old Wadeh Afayume, who authorities say was brutally killed as a result of the Israeli-Hamas conflict 
in the Middle East. Now, earlier in the day, 71-year-old Joseph Zuba appeared before a Will County judge charged with first-degree murder, attempted murder, two hate crimes, and aggravated battery. Prosecutors say the landlord stabbed six-year-old Wadea 26 times and his mother more than a dozen times inside their Plainfield home Saturday morning. According to court documents, the child's mother told detectives the suspect knocked on her door saying he was mad about what was going on in Jerusalem. So this Chicago landlord, again, accused of brutally stabbing, fatally stabbing a six-year-old Palestinian-American, a little boy, and his mom. He stabbed the little boy to death because he was paranoid that Muslims were planning acts of mass terror after listening to conservative radio shows. And that's according to the court documents. That's what was stated by the prosecutors. Now, I want to say this. On Friday, we had Dr. Zudi Jasaran a Muslim who is the leader of the uh, uh, Islamic American Forum for Democracy. And we had a conversation about this. And for them to indict conservative talk radio shows, I think is an incredible mistake. Why? Not because I'm a conservative talk radio host. No. But because millions of people listen to conservative talk radio. And one pendejo, Joseph Zuba, 71 years old, looks like uh, uh, Hulk Hogan on crack, appeared uh, to um, be delusional and paranoid. This guy's a prick. He's a monster. He's a demon. He's Who stabs a six-year-old? And to, for the prosecutors to say that uh, th- this, ha- this happened after listening to... Con- no, nobody listens to conservative talk radio and goes and stabs a six-year-old. I I can't believe that that, that's not part of the conversation here, but it should be. This man is whatever he is, crazy, not sane. And listen, if if there was more to this story, the kid was pointing a, a rocket launcher at him, different story. That's not the case. This is a crazy old man. He stabbed a little boy named Wadia Al-Fayume, and then he attacked his mother. 32-year-old Hanan Shaheen. They rented this apartment for him. Uh, There was a 45-minute hearing. Prosecutors told the court how Zuba had been closely listening to talk radio coverage of the violence in Israel and was convinced his Muslim tenants were going to harm him as part of their day of jihad. You don't go and kill little kids. I don't care if you're Hamas or this white guy in Chicago. Scumbags all around. You just can't, you don't do that. I, I don't understand what's going on here. Is it me that thinks that you don't do this? The landlord said he believed he was in danger and that the mom was going to call Palestinian friends to come and harm him. The uh, county assistant uh, state attorney, Michael Fitzgerald, said that Zuba's wife told investigators uh, that he was truly in fear. Now, after no terror attacks occurred on the day of jihad, Zuba's wife said he became convinced they would, um, let's see, he became convinced that the attack would go down on Saturday by knocking out the electrical grid and even went to the bank to withdraw $1,000 in cash while ranting that he wanted their Muslim tenants out. A public defender that's uh, assigned to defend Mr. Zuba 
provided no evidence to back up his fears uh, that Shaheen and her son were going to do this. Uh, this is just a horrible story. The mother told investigators that her last day with her son started out like any other day. The two of them were having breakfast together when Zuba knocked at the door. She said he's an angry man, but on the day in question, he came to the house and said he was angry at her for what was happening in Jerusalem. Let's give peace a chance, she reportedly told Zuba before he lunged at her with a military-style serrated knife, like a K-bar type of thing. Shaheen was forced to barricade herself inside the bathroom while she called 911 but couldn't reach her son in time to bring him to safety. When officers arrived just before noon, they found Wadea dead, the little boy, six years old, dead with 26 stab wounds. Zuba was found lying on his back in the backyard with a large knife in his belt and other knives lying on the ground next to him. The mom was taken to the hospital in critical, uh, critical condition with over a dozen stab wounds. She's expected to make a full recovery ultimately. However, she could not attend the funeral of her son because that was today and she's still in critical care. The boy's father said the killing came as a shock especially since Mr. Zuba had previously uh, had a good relationship with the family, even built the boy a treehouse and a playpen on his property. He's uh, the ex-husband. And uh, this whole thing is just so bizarre. So bizarre. This is why I don't get into some of the crazy stuff, because I never want somebody to be crazy like this. This is absolute insanity. Shame on him. I hope he rots in hell and in prison. I'll be back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. To the phones we go. Let's go to Allentown, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Randy, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Uh, hi, Rich. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I think, unfortunately, when we look at the state of the world today, we have to acknowledge that what's quote-unquote politically correct is not factually correct. And we're blessed to live in the United States where we're guided by Judeo-Christian values. Uh, I know when I was growing up, I was taught that to save a life is to save a nation. But there are parts of the world um, where people, especially if they subscribe to the Islamic fundamentalism, the fundamentalism will literally link loss of life to their religious beliefs. Uh, we saw on 9-11, the attackers truly believe that if they hijacked an airplane, flew it into a building at 600 miles an hour, killing everybody on the plane, killing people in the buildings, killing people in the streets below, that they would be rewarded with a positive afterlife. I think it was 20,000 right. virgins waiting for them in the next world. And so I honestly think, given that there isn't that meeting of the mind, the only solution is that there has to be a barrier of uninhabited land separating the people from Israel from the Palestinians. Um, 
you, you need to basically render part of that land that they're going to go into now uninhabitable for human beings. Um, and this way, if anybody is trying to traverse that land or trying to paraglide over the land or trying to dig tunnels under the land, the land is sufficiently wide that that person could be stopped before they enter Israel. Anything short of that, there will be more murders, there will be more rapes, and, right. and there will be more babies mutilated and all of the atrocities that we witnessed. Kind of like building a moat around the castle. You know, not to trivialize it, but that's kind of how it was. Fill it with alligators and, you know, that, that one space where you can't get from point A to point B without falling in that moat or that ditch. But I get it. Uh, it it's, it's a possibility. It's an idea. Uh, but ultimately, I think we've got to be responsible for ourselves. And we can't have people, landlords like this crazy guy, stabbing little kids. I don't care what religion they are. You don't hurt little kids unless that little kid's coming for you or somebody else. And uh, that wasn't the case here. Folks, take care, good night, and God bless. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I'm Rich Valdez. Hey, guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.